Hi, this is Savio. I've been seeking answers to some of life's most perplexing questions my entire life. In 2014, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And ever since, I realized my calling existed outside of what I knew to be familiar. This podcast is home for survivors like myself and those who yearn to build resilience in their mindset and live their best life. In season three, the show includes a mix of coaching sessions followed by interviews with those from all walks of life who have been successful in the wellness, business, media, and travel industries. The intent is to show the human experience in its rawest form so that others may glean insight. Nothing is rehearsed. As a board-certified wellness coach, number one best-selling author, and syndicated columnist, my job is to ask the deep questions of those trying to make sense of their place in this fractured world. I believe life speaks to us in different ways. Many of us listen, but don't know how or where to begin. As someone who has crossed the bridge between life and death, I say simply, begin where you are now and get busy living. If you liked today's episode, I would appreciate it if you could share it. Be sure to tag me at The Human Resolve so I can reciprocate in kind. So without further ado, welcome to The Human Resolve Podcast. Today's podcast guest is business owner and breast cancer survivor, Tina Marie Romero. As Tina states, if I just trust my intuition, that it will tell me what those boundaries are. My intuition will always tell me when my boundaries are being violated, and I should listen to it. I know what it is. Even though I'm telling you now that I don't know what it is, I always know when it happens, but I try to deny it. Tina, it's good to see you. Good to see you. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. So what would you like coaching on? All right. How about boundaries? You know, this past week, I just feel like um, I've had some big issues this week, and I think it boils down to boundaries that um, I think for the longest time now, I probably... I'm not very self-aware of how people push beyond boundaries and I just seem to allow it to happen. And I think I'm finally at the stage that I realize that, yeah, I think it has something to do with my own doing for allowing, you know, for not having set clear boundaries for myself and knowing when those boundaries are, you know, are, What's the word? Our, uh, yeah, when somebody goes over the boundaries and I just let it happen. So, yeah, I think it's something that's on my mind lately, which would be good if you could give me some coaching on it. <laughs> Great. So what I'm hearing is the term boundaries and, and all that entails in terms of the people that you work with and people that you live with and things of that nature. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yep. Great. Yeah. So what would be a, like a really great, fantastic outcome for today? Um, I guess a fantastic outcome would for me to be clear on my boundaries and also to not apologize or feel bad when I do, when I have to do what I need to do when those boundaries are crossed. So yeah, I think just to be clear on that and to be clear on if I need to do something with those, yeah, it would be really helpful. So for you to feel comfortable 
when you need to set those boundaries and how those boundaries land for you. Yep. Yeah. So how does the idea of boundaries in your life, how, what's, what's your experience with it? You know, um, I think that I just, since I've, I think growing up, I never really knew, I, I felt I didn't have any boundaries because my parents were very relaxed. Um, I pretty much, I guess I could have tantrums and yeah, whenever I want something, I have tantrums and I pretty much I think I always am able to get what I want so so I think that right from the start it was difficult for me to understand that there are boundaries because I never had to you know um, and so growing up I guess it's something that I never really had I, I didn't have them because you know I didn't have them for myself because I never had to contend with those. And I'm just learning now that that's probably one of the main reasons that there's some things that, you know, I'm, 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 I'm unhappy about. It's because when people cross boundaries with me, I don't do anything about it because I never knew what it meant. I never knew that there had to be boundaries. So, yeah, it, it's, it's just starting. It, it's interesting how it's just starting to come to light to me at this age in my life. <laughs> but I guess it's better late than ever. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you mentioned about throwing tantrums. Can you give me more context in that? Well, when I was a child, I, I remember that whenever there was something that I didn't like, I was unhappy about, I would, I was real, I was bad. I was bad. There was one time where I could still remember I moved an entire a piano in the house because I was upset. I moved the piano and I threw everything everything uh, to the floor, except that I remember we had this bowl of marble eggs and I knew they were expensive. So because I didn't want to break them, but I just wanted to still create an impression that I put it on the floor just to make it look like I'm still creating a mess. But um, that's just, it, it, yeah, I, I felt that the, I, whenever I didn't get what I wanted or I was unhappy, I would throw tantrums. Whether it's in the house or outside, I didn't really care. I just, you know, I just wanted things uh, the way that I felt it should be. What did that little Tina, what did she actually want during those tantrums? Um, you know, I'm not sure. I, I think that, well, of course, other than the obvious attention, right? Like, I think it's basically attention. And, um, yeah, I'm not sure if I wanted to be disciplined. Like, in other words, because I never felt disciplined. I'm not sure now if that was, I made the tantrum because I wanted my parents to do something to wake me up. I'm not, I'm, I'm actually unsure, but I just, I think it's clearly attention. Um, and yeah, maybe there was that, I felt that I, I probably just pushed my parents hard enough until I could get a response from them because I never really seemed to get a response. So I think it's more of like the more that I pushed, maybe I was secretly hoping that they'll do something to discipline me and stop me from, you know, further destroying myself. <laughs> so what was their reaction when you when you held these tan tantrums? Well, as far as I remember, I, you know, 
they were very stern at me. It's almost like um, they were still, I never really felt that I was punished. I, I or not, I not felt, but I, I don't think I was ever punished. Like they were pretty lenient with me. Like in other words, instead of being stern with me, then they just let it be. And they were just, you know, tried to acquiesce to me. And I think that that's, yeah, and that's why, yeah, and that's, now that I think about it, that's exactly why I don't do anything when somebody crosses the line with me, because that's my same experience as a child, that I could do whatever I want, and I was never reprimanded for what I did. Did you have any siblings? Yes, an older sister and a younger brother. What was their response like? Did they, how were they as children? Well, my sister was the same way. She was very hard-headed, like she's very stubborn, very, very strong personality as well. The same thing as me. It's like, like, think both of us, when we have, when we want something, we have very strong opinions. We're very, yeah, opinionated. And we would just, you know, we, we would, yeah, we would really fight for what we felt we wanted. Did your parents react to her the same way as you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Same as your brother? Well, my brother is, um, yeah, the same thing. It's like he could do no wrong. He could do no wrong. He could steal money or do whatever, but yeah, he could, no one could do wrong in their family. If I was your child right now, like I was you, and you were the parents, and I did that, what would you want to say to me? So if you did specifically what? So like, for example, you're your parents right now, and I'm you. Uh-huh. And I did, yeah. the, I did the eggs on the floor, and I did the piano, and I did all that. What would you want to say to me? I would definitely be stern. Um, and, you know, depending on the context, what made you upset. But, yeah, really make it clear that what you're doing is is not it's not the way I I expected you to behave and that it's not behavior that I would consent that what that I would tolerate that you can't just do something like that because I don't know for whatever reason but it's something that should not be tolerated in our household and what would be the response from you if you were still that child right now and they said that to you? I would probably, and as I've said earlier, that might be what I was looking for. I, would, I think I was trying to look for authority that would tell me when to stop when I needed to stop. And I just, I think that I, I long to have the authority, but because I never had it, uh, yeah, I would probably listen to it and say, you know what, that's, you know, now I finally have know what I'm not supposed to do. So Tina, how, how can you use some of those insights, those, the great wisdom that you discovered right now to help you move forward with this, with this you know, situation? 
I guess especially for the work environment. But yeah, for me to, I, yeah, I think my realization this past, you know, this recent uh, period of my life is that that yeah, um, people will always try to push as far as they can to do for whatever for their own purposes, whatever they need to do, and it's up to me to stop them. Do you know to put a stop on things that violates my own values or my own boundaries and that it is my responsibility to do that no one else because people will always try to push as far as they can to see how far you would let them and and so like yeah and i think that it's affected me in all parts of my life whether in personal and business but most especially now with in the business, which it can be really, it's hard when you have a business and you have employees and they feel that they can just do whatever they, and, and I've experienced that this past week. So that's why this has really been on the forefront for me because I, I see it clearly how that has affected me. Knowing that, you know, I, I can't, I can't, I have to set those boundaries with my employees. So if I was an employee, pushing over the edge of what you're comfortable with, what would you say to me? Well, and I just did that last week. That, yeah, I think in the past, I would always be very understanding and forgiving. I have a high level of tolerance. But I think since last week, I've just started to, you know what, I, I can't, I started to be, I would say to you that, no, like, uh, I, I don't know what is it that you're, that you're trying to push, but I would say that no, like um, I, I can't do that. Like I think I'm starting to learn that there are certain things that I should be able to say no to if it's something that violates my own in my own values. And do you? How do you feel like it would land with with your employee? I think that it would. Depending, you know, and I'm I'm very diplomatic when I talk to people. So like even I feel that yeah, I think that it would land well to them. Depending, although they, it might surprise them because that's not usually me. Uh, but I think that it would give them, it would make them, it would make them look at me in a different light, knowing that yeah, okay, so. Yeah, finally, here's the authority that they probably, the same way that I think I was yearning for before, I think they would feel the same way that finally, here's the authority that I was hoping I could, I was expecting to get from my boss or from my, yeah. I, I hope that that's what I hope it would be. <laughs> if you could create, you know, in the Christian and Catholic Bible, you know, there's the Ten Commandments. What would be yeah. Tina's commandments to make sure that you're honoring yourself but still creating that boundary? I need to have Ten Commandments too. No, you could <laughs> have as many as you want. No, it doesn't um, have to be Ten. What would we so say the question again? What would be my own Ten Commandments? Yeah, you know, we spoke about you and sort of this idea of boundaries and then you're growing up and how you weren't really given vocally those boundaries and you were maybe yearning for some discipline so in a perfect world if you was to create just a wish list of you know commandments or 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 you know things that you feel 
still honor who you are, but still makes it very clear to other people that there's a certain level of boundary that you can't cross, what would those things be? Okay. Um, it, I guess we should narrow it down from a work perspective, right? Okay. We should put it in, in the business perspective. Then um, I guess, it, yeah, I, I expect integrity, first of all, right? I always ex ex expect integrity. Um, I expect um, professionalism. I expect... Um, diligence with your job like you know like i need someone to always do their best like you know things happen but so long as i know you're doing your best that's all i expect um i expect um yeah i always expect people to be and my especially my employees uh, i expect honesty honesty i expect um I just, and I expect goodness, goodness, you know, being good to others, being good to, to others, to our, to co-workers and to our, to our uh, clients. I just expect, uh, yeah, goodness to others and uh, to everyone else, yeah. And in, in your life, those things that you mentioned, are they being violated right now? So integrity, in, in a little bit, but not by everybody, not by everybody. And that person who was filed, there was one who, yeah, and that's why she's no longer here as of last week. Yeah, yeah, which in, yeah. And what about the other ones like professionalism and the other, the other couple that you I mentioned? think, yeah, the other ones, the, the ones who's here with me right now, no, they're not violating it. But I, but I think that's what made it clear because then the one who's no longer here, she did violate those things. And I think like, so that's why last week I just felt, you know, that I, I've had it. And then I just, I asked for her resignation right then and there. So on the other side, right, we talked about your work. What about your personal life in terms of the friends and family members that you keep? What would be, are they the same Ten Commandments or are they different? Yeah, part, part, but probably uh, there's probably more. Uh, yeah, like like I think um, what's more important for family and friends is just um, the presence. You know, like uh, I think that there should be presence and communication at all times. So when I say with presence, that you know when we're together in a room with family and friends that we should always try to be present to each other and not just be there and you know not even pay attention so I think it's more of like yeah I would want um, presence and, and I think because that's one of the things too that um, in the past I guess like I've in our family that's common that we may be together but no one's really li listening to each other so for me, I think that that's one of the things that I feel is really important now, that yeah, we need to always be present to others. And that, and just always, yeah, the communication, that no matter what, just always um, communicate with family and friends, reaching out, checking in, yeah, just, yeah, yep. Staying connected, 
Are you always present with your family and friends? I have to admit that I've, I wasn't before. Like, I think I'm just one of them that, you know, we could all be in, a, in the same room, but we're all on the phone. I don't know, all kinds of daydreaming. But I think that I've really made the conscious effort now to change that, knowing that um, it's one of the things that I feel is that's what's missing in my life. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, have, I acknowledge that I have been that person before, but that's one of the things that I'm really working hard at now. So what would be a step for you to have this be a revelation to your family and friends? Since you discovered it, what would be that step? You mean uh, how I would portray them about the whole presence thing? You, you know, a lot Is of that, that what you, yeah, a lot about what you talk about was boundaries, and sometimes boundaries are about what you don't want, but sometimes boundaries are also about what you do want. So if you was yeah. to cultivate more of being present with your family and friends, what would be a step in the right direction? Well, I think that maybe the ne like an example would be like in our next, because usually whenever there's like, a, you know, like at the gathering, Thanksgiving, Christmas, birthdays, um, yeah, then maybe it's, it's usually at my home. So maybe what I would do is start with like, you know, this time there's rules like no, no cell phones, no, even if it's like an hour or something like in other words, everyone needs to be like something like that where uh, or we have like um, a game or whatever that engages everyone that there's got to be more conscious effort to make that presence felt that you're not just in a room together, but you're in a room actually connecting with each other and really talking to each other and not just being there physically, but not there emotionally. And how would that land for your family and friends if you ask I, I Yeah, that's a totally different question. That would probably feel very, very weird to them. But uh, yeah, it might probably feel weird, but it's worth trying. Yeah, it's probably weird, but um, yeah, it's it's, it's worth trying. <laughs> so besides presence with them, what's another ask that you have? Is that, uh, okay, so back to boundaries is I think like, yeah, to respect my own, in the same token that I want presence. And I think this, this goes hand in hand because in the same way that there's presence at the times that we're together, on the other hand, on the times that we're not together, when I'm alone, and a lot of times I, I prefer being alone to being independent. So I'd like on those times that I'm alone, I want my own, the boundaries where if I need to do things on my own, that I shouldn't also be constantly bothered and not be allowed to have my own private time, which I, I normally need those. And, you know, whenever I feel like someone's calling me or texting me or wanting to get together, that I feel obliged to do it. But that for me, for them to understand that, you know, just because I say no to a certain thing doesn't mean I don't care about them, but it's because I also need that time for myself and that I can't, you know, it doesn't say, it doesn't mean that yeah, the, it, in other words, that it, I should be allowed to say no when I don't want to get together or talk to someone or just, yeah, to have that boundary and to be respected for 
for what I want to happen for myself in that specific time frame. So how could you hold yourself accountable to that, to that, to that need that you have? Well, actually, I have. I am starting to do that now too. Because it used to be that whenever somebody needed me for something, I always agreed, or I always, even though I didn't want to, to do it. But I think now I'm, I'm a little bit. I'm conscious about now too that and that, that and I feel okay to say no, and I don't feel. I try to not feel guilty anymore, you know. So. I think that yeah, now I'm, I am definitely working towards that. That I, and I've made improvements in terms of you you know letting them know that you know I I, I can't be because I used to be like you know everybody always runs for me for things, but I think they now understand that yeah I'm I'm busy with other things with my business that I can't and a lot of them don't even try to approach me anymore knowing that I've I've kind of started to create that boundary. You know, you spoke earlier about, um, you know, with your family getting them together and <laughs> mentioning the word presence and not, not really knowing how they're going to respond to it. Um, how would you, uh, like, what would you say to them to make sure that the boundary for your needs are still kept intact without hurting their feelings? Well, actually, I, I don't need to say it that, but maybe what I could do is instead of saying it in like a formal manner about boundaries, right? But make it as a playful thing that, you know, say it in a way, in a loving way that, you know, okay, this this specific holiday, let's say for instance, this, this actually I think what's coming up is uh, my sister's birthday. So I could say, right, on, let's, I could say on my sister's birthday, you know, I have a, an interesting activity that I'd like all of us to do on her birthday and then present it that way and that we're not saying about not explaining about what I'm trying to do but present as an activity that I felt it was interesting for all of us to do together and how would that go like what would what would be the response I think that that would be I think that it would be taken positively, I think. I hope, but yeah. So what if like obstacles come in your way regarding this new found way of being? How would you handle that? Just like what I do with everything, right? I'm always gentle and, and gentle with myself and patient with myself, knowing that things don't happen overnight. It may take a while, but so long as I know that I'm working towards it, there's nothing to be upset about. Like I just, so long as I know that I'm progressing towards what I want to do and I'm taking a step towards it, I'm, I'm always gentle with myself with, when it comes to those kind of things. Tina, I'm curious, you know, when I say the word boundary or having distinct needs and wants, does that resonate anywhere in your body? In my gut. <laughs> in your gut? My gut. My intuit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you feel into it? Is there, is it, is there anything happening there? No, I, it just, 
Yeah, I think you know, and the gut is where our intuition is, right? It's I, I, I related to the intuition, and I think part of this whole realization thing about the boundaries is again, as I've said, um, I've never been really clear on what my boundaries are because I never knew what they were. So, I think that now when I, because now when you ask about where I felt it, because I think that. It just occurred to me now that to answer my question about not knowing my boundaries, I think that if I just trust my intuition, that it will tell me what those boundaries are. Like my intuition will always tell me what when my boundaries are being violated or not, and I should listen to it. And follow me on this. If you listen to it, what's it's what's it's telling you? What what would it say to you? What would my intuition be telling me? Yeah, regarding boundaries. Is that, um, I know what it is, even though I'm telling you now that I don't know what it is, I think that I always know when it happens, but I try to, I try to deny it. That maybe that that's part of my problem, that I know when something is violated it's but then maybe because i've never known how to address it that i deny that it's a boundary and that i that's really what i need to change to to be you know to accept that what the boundaries are and not camouflage it and not uh not deny it but see that it's there acknowledge it and not be afraid to do what i need to do when I can feel that those boundaries are violated. And I think because that's my struggle, that I always feel guilty because I feel that, yeah, because I don't know what the boundaries are, so I feel guilty if I need to do something uh, about it. But I think that that's what my intuition is trying to tell me, that, you know, I'll know when something is not right and that I should not sit there and let those boundaries be crossed without me doing anything about it. And what would, in a perfect world, what would that intuition, boundaries, all of thing, everything we talked about today, what would it, where's the promised land for that? The promised land for that would be, I guess, a woman who is empowered to, empowered to always do what she knows is best for herself without being afraid of what the repercussions are. Mm, not being afraid with what the repercussions are. Yep. To be an empowered woman. Because I think like a lot of times I'm afraid to do certain things that I feel, you know, um, would make somebody upset. It stops me from doing things that I'm supposed to do because I don't want to upset someone. But But in reality, I think that it's only me thinking that it will make someone upset, but it may not really make someone upset, but it's me making those assumptions. But meanwhile, I'm not honoring myself by thinking that thinking of the other person more than I'm thinking about myself. Yeah. And, and what it's doing to me. Yeah. And that empowered woman in, in all her glory, what would she say? Well done, Tina. <laughs> Well done, Tina. Finally, 
Well done, Tina. Finally, yeah. finally, you have become the woman that you are supposed to be. And how f is she far away in the distance? Can you see her? Can you touch her? I think so, yeah. I think so. What would, what would need to happen for you to embrace her? I guess, to, yeah, to just continue walking confidently towards it, to just really have that full um, empowerment, to really, um, yeah, to just be confident that, yeah, she's in the right path and that you're not, I'm not hurting people by doing what I need to do for myself. So, so you're on the right path, not hurting people. Wow. All right, well, thank you so much. Is this a good place for us to end our session? Do you feel complete? Sure, yeah, yeah, Great. it was very good. Very, yeah, I never really sat down to think about it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is a good place to sort of transition into the interview portion. So tell my audience more about Tina Marie Romero, what you do, who you serve, what your mission is in life. All right, so um, I own a non-medical home care agency here in New Jersey, Synergy Home Care uh, in North Central New Jersey. So basically I hire, um, I have uh, hun about 100 caregivers, certified wow. home health aides, and they go, we, they, we go to people's homes to provide care for uh, seniors um, or anyone, not just seniors, anyone needing care at home. So, um, and so the whole premise of that non-home care business that I do believe that given a choice, my parents, your parents, our seniors would prefer to stay at home rather than in a facility. That's yes. the whole premise of a non-medical home care agency because that I want them that they want to be at home and that's why what I'm here for to keep them safely at home by providing them the care that they need at home. I love a good origin story. How did you get into this business? Actually, it's very interesting that it it well, I, you know, I was working in IT at a computer uh, at the headquarters of a, of a computer Oh, not a computer, an insurance company, headquarters insurance, but I was in IT. And I was doing, having, taking my master's, my MBA, I, and an MA in diplomacy and international relations. After I graduated, that was my goal. I wanted to have my own business. So um, in trying to figure out what business I wanted to have, I worked with a franchise matchmaker. And um, that was his job to find out what best suits my needs and my my uh, base my and partner and you know sync it up with my own qualities. And um, this is one he recommended three comp businesses for me, and this is one of them. So it was you know and it was a lengthy process because he tried to figure out what was best based on my goals and my strengths, what was would best fit. And this is the one that resonated the most with me, and that's how I ended up doing it. I didn't even know about it before before he introduced it to me, but that's how it came about. How has your uh, work and what you do in, been impacted by COVID? Oh, very much. Like, yeah, very difficult. The past two years has been hard for me because, you know, um, again, as I've said, we, I sent caregivers to people's homes. So when COVID happened, 
we lost like 90% of our business because wow. the client stopped care, right? Because they didn't want anybody in their homes. So the clients stopped care and at the same time, the caregivers, no caregivers wanted to work. So we, we lost a lot of business, the first, um, the, the beginning part. But you know, us, but you know, the seniors always need care. So eventually it got a little bit better. But it still has a very, because there's a big, just like any other industry right now in the U.S., there's a big shortage of caregivers in this country. So that is a really big struggle right now with the shortage of caregivers. What have you seen in the needs of seniors that are not being addressed right now? Um... You mean like on a national level, like on a, just any level? Yeah, okay, just I could answer it any way I want. Yeah, well, definitely it's, you know, our seniors, it's the companionship and communication, like, you know, especially during COVID, right? A lot of our seniors are left out in the cold by themselves, especially those who don't have family with them, right? And a lot, and that's most of the seniors that we serve. Seniors who live at home because their children are all, you know, on their own, so they live on their own. And so a lot of the seniors, they don't really have anyone. Their families are far away. And it's just really, during COVID, more than more than any other group, it has really, you know, made them, the loneliness epidemic for the seniors has really gone through the roof as well. Because, you know, if it has eliminated people visiting them so it has really put them more in a very solitary and then isolated they're isolated from the world yeah and so that's why like you know with what we do a lot of times the caregivers that present those are the only contacts that they have from the outside world and when these people are taken away from them they they could be on their own for days and not interacting with other people so i think that yeah that's it's yeah loneliness is a really bad it's a really um tragic thing for seniors right now i can only speak to my own experience you know i grew up in an asian household i'm i'm indian um and kids live with their parents <laughs> it's just what yep. what happens uh and uh but not in the u.s yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not in the U.S., yeah, yeah. So what would be, uh, you know, some, some like wish lists for you in this industry or, you know, in, in what you've seen that you wish things would just sort of change or things would be transformed? Well, um, I talked earlier about the shortage of caregivers in this country, right? And actually one of the things that I really felt was my mission last year when I... Um, when I was, I actually bought out my business partner last year during the height of COVID, despite the difficulty. And the reason I did that was because I really, I found what I felt was my mission. And that was, I felt that I needed to bring caregivers here from the Philippines. Um, because of the shortage, it addresses that problem. And also because of the fact that I know for a fact that Filipinos have the heart to really care. Um, around the world, Filipinos are known globally to be very good caregivers. And I think that's the one thing that's badly needed here because other than the shortage, right, the quality of the caregivers here is unfortunately not so good. Like it's, in, it's just people 
to, to um, the certification for home health aides here only require a three-week course, three weeks. In the Philippines, they require at least eight months to do a certification for caregivers, and three months of that is towards value formation. And that's something that's not taught in this country. So I just really feel that it, it's my desire for our seniors to feel compassionate care in the hands of Filipinos at the end of their lives, because I think that will make a big difference to their lives, just to have to be cared for by people who truly care for them and has the heart, have compassionate hearts. So what's the overall vision for this business for you? Yeah, that's at the end of, yeah, that's my over, well, I, I do, it, that's a long, a longer process though, a long-term process to have that, um, what do you call it, that, that new, uh, it involves a change in immigration to get those caregivers in. But other than that, but yeah, I really just want to provide compassionate care where seniors feel they're being cared for by an extended family, not just like a, a company or an agency that don't care about them. But I, and that's really what I try to instill to our caregivers and to my staff here that yeah, at the end of the day, we are we are in the business of helping people, and that it's we can't. I'm always very. I look at each client as if it was family, and that's how I would want each client to be treated and cared for. You know, I read an article a few months ago um, where someone did a research study. I think they evaluated or surveyed, I think it was like 100 patients literally in the hospital, near death, yep. dying. And they basically asked them, "What do you regret anything? And if you did, what was it? And none of them mentioned their job. None yep. of them mentioned their home. Everyone yep. just mentioned about, you know, connection. And I was just yeah. kind of curious with the people that you serve, the community that you serve, what are they really looking for or wanting? You mean like with my clientele, right? Yeah. With my clientele. The same, the same, just like what you said, it is connection. It is um, even with um, the care. And you know, a lot of times the seniors are actually very, most seniors actually don't, or almost every senior think they don't need anyone to care for them. They always need to feel they're independent and that they could care for themselves. But I think at the end of the day, you know, other than helping them out with um, with their daily living, with the things that they need to do that they can no longer do, I think that at the end of the day, they need to know that someone is there who truly cares for them and who listens to them and understands them, sees them as, hum as human beings and not just like uh, a body that needs to be, you know, that needs to be given their food and medicine. It's really at the end of the day, it's knowing that somebody is there and sees them, sees them for who they are, who takes the time to talk to them, looks them in the eye and has a conversation with them to ask them about their childhood because you know the seniors have the most amazing and interesting stories and i think that that's you know people sometimes 
yeah, just don't take the time to talk to them and listen to what they have to say and their wisdom. So, yeah, I think it's in the end, yeah, it's about knowing that someone is there to listen to them and really see them as who they are. I love that. That's great. So where can my audience find out more about you, your business, on the internet? Well, I'm at SynergyHomeCare.com. Um, that's the website of the and, and, you know, I'm located in central New Jersey. So, yeah, the, the way it's a franchise, so they just put the zip code in there for they, where they would be care. That, and then on LinkedIn, uh, I'm Tina Romero on LinkedIn. Wonderful, Tina. Well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate this conversation. It was just so enriching. Thank you so much, too. For, I really enjoyed this, Savio. Thank you, and thank you for the coaching. Sure. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast episode of The Human Resolve. If you feel that others may enjoy this episode as well, please share socially at The Human Resolve. You can also visit my website, thehumanresolve.com, where I offer one-on-one coaching sessions, a subscription to my weekly newsletter, where I probe into the secrets from living smarter to feeding your three brains, and my author website, isurvivedcancer.co, where you can purchase my number one best-selling book, I Survived Cancer and Here's How I Did It. 35 cancer survivors share their journey and view the book trailer, including excerpts from the book. If you could also help me out and give me a review and rating on this podcast platform, because I do care what you have to say, I would really appreciate it. Now, get out there, my friends, and get busy living.